Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. And I'm here uh, sipping some tequila and orange juice as I'm joined by my really great friend, mentor, and comrade um, who um, I have grown to be uh, very close to uh, through the Party for Socialism and Liberation. Is someone I look up to very, very much, and I'm very excited to talk to her about um, revolutionary socialism, um, you know, uh, community action, and uh, how we uh, fight the fucking revolution out here. So, right. um, <laughs> um, Erica Steib, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to to be here with you and to get to shoot the shit in a yeah in a more casual context here. Dude, I'm saying we we're just saying before we start recording that like it's always like we're out on some march or you know we're uh, like out in the streets. You know, there's Working there's like something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and while you're always a revolutionary, we are always revolutionaries. Like. Okay. We do kind of, we got to kick it sometimes, you know, we got to, we got to keep it casual. So, oh yeah. Um, well, that being said, Erica, how are you? How was your day today? My day was all right. Um, so today's Tuesday. I like put in my eight hours working from home, doing my best to focus on that. Um, while also, uh, you know, keeping an eye on all the other things happening today um, while Trump was in Kenosha. Um, so just trying to keep my attention in several places leaves me pretty uh, frayed at the edges by the end of the day. So now I'm relieved that that part of my day is over and everyone's home safely. Yes. Um, thankfully, thank God. Mm -hmm. um, glad everyone, all of our comrades are um, on their way back. Mm -hmm. um, did uh, did our, our friends talk about how things went down there today? It sounded like it was okay. Like it was, um, it was definitely like a little disorganized. There were tons of people there, like from all the streams I watched, like there are definitely tons of people, Trump supporters right alongside the Black Lives Matter supporters. Um, and I, I, I did like see on the feed, not with anyone like we know, but like fights breaking out, just like yelling and stuff. And, um, but yeah, aside from that, I didn't really hear too much. I saw another clip where like the Proud Boys were there and the police like whisked them off because people were screaming at them because they're Nazis and the police just like whisked them away to safety. And um, I mean, that is no surprise at all. So, but yeah, it it sounds like it went better than I thought it would. I'm delighted to hear because I was like genuinely concerned about mm -hmm. um, anyone going down on behalf of protesting today because given that you know um it's a very like um politically hot zone mm -hmm. in, in kenosha it's like um him trump just just by being there he's already like emboldened so much of that yeah um pro-police anti-protester um you know pseudo militia mm -hmm. uh apologist rhetoric mm -hmm. where he's basically emboldening all these people yeah that, he just comes uh, in to stir the pot and start shit and yeah you know rile up his fan base 
and it's sketchy it's it can pose a real danger for people yeah so that being said like i was i was just like worried that you know it would be you know um our comrades or our friends just like um entering a war zone um i was but um luckily it it yeah i didn't hear any anything um like uh any it didn't i didn't hear anything of anyone i know being in danger which i'm very thankful for like i'm i think that anyone that went down there today to to protest trump is very brave yeah for fucking real like anyone like stepping out there especially in kenosha of all places right now like they are taking a risk and like i mean i think a lot of people like know that when they go into it and some are more prepared than others, but at any rate, like, yeah, every protester, every Black Lives Matter protester is really fucking brave. Like, I, I commend anyone who's, who's, who's even trying to be out there in the face of all this bullshit. Yeah, that's right. They're, any Black Lives Matter protester is a bigger hero than uh, a cop will ever be. Literally. No, it's true. It's true. Because it's like, even when, even when a protester goes out, you know, as prepared as they can be, they might have their bike helmet, goggles, um, supplies, and whatnot. Like, like nothing, none of that compares to the police with their military toys, with their illegal fucking war weapons. Um, And like, yeah. And, you know, even the protesters who throw a bottle at the cops, or throw a plastic bag like it's like that is you know that that it's just there's no comparing that to to what we're up against the literal militarized police that's so, right yeah that's right there's i mean it, water bottles and firecrackers don't right hold any candle whatsoever to fucking bear cats no because <laughs> yeah you and I and a couple of our other good friends um, went down to Kenosha last week mm-hmm. um, to uh, protest at the courthouse yeah. where we were greeted by about a hundred uh, strong line of officers in riot gear yep. um, that eventually escalated into a tear gas barrage mm-hmm. um, you know rubber coated bullet barrage. Ru- yeah, rubber yeah, rubber bullet showers, one of which hit our good comrade. Luckily no. he's okay. Mm-hmm. Um oh. one that also hit our microphone that yeah. miraculously was undamaged. That's our lucky microphone now. Yeah, it is. Yep. It is. But that in addition to other things like the L Rads, which can I mean they may be they may be like physically harmless. It's like those loud those loud noises that yeah. sound like a bomb going off. I mean that it just that can, it off. Yeah. Well, it can, yeah, it can warrant like traumatic, like tr- traumatic body responses. Yeah. You know, it can it triggers people, and that's mm-hmm. that in itself is psychological warfare. So, like to be up against that, while before that, you know, protesters were just chucking bottles at these well armored, well protected cops um like to which escalated into now there's like a whole gate around the courthouse with the national guard i saw that full kevlar yeah like what the fuck have we come to right yeah yeah i saw that fucking fence yeah that's just like and but that doesn't that, that doesn't mean they're not still gonna use those weapons against us now they just have like an, an extra layer of protection that 
like they don't fucking need <laughs> like yeah. yeah yeah i can't wait for those bastards to be dismantled yep um it happen. yeah it, it sure will um and uh it's like you know i read so today we um we published a uh on our page i i shared it to the psl page but there was an an essay written uh confessions of a former bastard cop yes i read that too and uh and there's some real truth to that like it's systemically like they're not allowed to hold each other accountable right you know that's not how it's set up right um which we'll get more into later on but Mm -hmm. um but yeah so that's all that's been going on late uh, the last week or so. You know, I'm very thankful to be safe and that my friends are safe mm-hmm. and that we also, as the PSL, we had some uh, a really wonderful march on Sunday um, yeah. about all the stuff we're talking about. So, yeah. um, so anyway, so Erica, what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, we examine love and fear, passion and creativity. And we first met, uh, I don't think we met in person, but I remember you being there. Yeah. Um, which was the Cream Vellum EP release show at High Dive. That was a good show, yes. That was a great show. Shout out to Cream Vellum. Vellum. Absolutely, yeah. Oh yeah, me too. I love Cream Vellum. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was really fun. Um, I, so I remember you and uh, our... Uh, our friend Bobby, shout okay. out to Bobby, <laughs> Robert, as yeah. some call him. Yeah. Um, I remember you two were there, um, but we didn't like actually speak and interact. Then I remember the first time we ever like actually interacted was actually outside of the Oriental at yes. the uh, the room showing. I'm glad you remembered that. When Tommy Wiseau was there to present. Good <laughs> day. I'm glad you remember that, because that's the first time I remember actually speaking to you, too. And it's such a, like, niche, like, memory. But, like, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was the most ridiculous night of last year for me, was, was seeing fun. Tommy Wiseau in person. I know. Um, what, a, what an enigma of a man he is. Um, I so, I guess, like, I want to ask you, how did you get into the room? Oh, yeah. How did I get into the room? Um... Well, I watched it the first time with some friends, like, on a TV at home, and definitely loved it immediately. It was so fucking funny. And then, um, yeah, when we found out it was coming to the Oriental, um, Bobby and our friend Lama were just immediately like, we have to go. And, yeah, and then so we went, and, uh, God, that was so fun. Like, that was the, I think that's, like, the only, like, interactive, like, movie thing I've been to at the Oriental. I've always wanted to go to Rocky Horror and I've never gotten around to it. But mm-hmm. um but yeah the room was was so lively and like throwing the fucking spoons like at the screen. That was yeah. this so wild. I couldn't believe that was happening. Yes. Like it's so funny. Ugh. Yeah. So I my introduction to the room, so my old roommate and best friend uh Brock was I remember like he was the one that showed like, like all of us as roommates. He's the one who like showed it to us. Yeah. And I remember like, at first I was like, 
why the fuck is this on? Like, yeah. why do you have, why do you have this on our TV right now? You know, I was like, almost, I was honestly like kind of pissed. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you're wasting our time. But then like something about like the three sex scenes within like the first yeah. five minutes or so. No. This was, was like, okay, no, this shit's actually pretty fucking goofy. Um, yeah. So um, by the end of the night, I was like, Dude, what the fuck? This shit is crazy. <laughs> like, dude, this, I was so happy you showed it to us. And I remember just like, um, when it was over, I was like, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. And I was, yeah. And like, we would just start, we would just randomly start shouting room quotes to each other. Like, yes. you know, um, and then the following year, um, I dressed up as him for Halloween. Oh, hell yeah. Um, dressed up as Tommy. I got I had a wig from uh, Goodwill. Uh, cut it down to size. Nice. Uh, got a, a football from Goodwill as well. And oh, yes. Wore like a really, I wore like, you know, the blazer with like the no tie. Yes. You know, that he has on all, like throughout the movie. Um, but when we saw you was coming to the Oriental, we were like, dude, we can't, we can't like, miss this. We have to go. Like, yeah. there's no way. Yeah. So, I remember there was like a line that like snaked around the block. Yeah. And uh, gave a really shitty Q and A uh, before. <laughs> it was a joke. Yeah. You couldn't even understand a word he was saying. Like no. most of the time, yeah. I I remember someone was like, "Tommy, what'd you do in Milwaukee while you were here? Like, tell us how you've been enjoying Milwaukee." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I did a lot of stuff." Oh, uh, next question. I know. And, like, do you remember someone asked him, like, what he thought about Donald Trump? And he just, like, totally brushed it off. He's like, no, no, no. We're here to have a good time. No, no, no. Yeah. And, like, just, I remember like, he yeah. actually, he said some shit about, like, socialists and communists. He did. I don't know what he said. He said something about, like, oh, well, what's great about America is we're not socialists and communists. I was like, you're Tommy. You're dumb. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I remember, like, um, I just really, I had to meet him, so, but I only had, yeah, yeah, I was so broke, though, all I had was enough for the cheapest thing, which was the headshot. Oh, yeah. Um, which is uh, right here. Oh, yes. Um, this thing. Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. That is um, yeah. So, uh, I remember, like, I asked him, like, oh, Tommy, how old were you in this shot? He's like, Oh, I was like 19 or 20. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. So, uh, classic times, though. Um, also, I will say, though, another, I don't know if you remember, do you remember when Drake Bell came to Vitucci's? Oh, yeah. I wasn't there, but I do remember that. <laughs> that was also pretty fucking wild, too. That was that same year. That it was, was. Was that only 2019? Or was that? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was in January of 2019. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, yeah, I also, that was another thing I just could not miss. So, um, I stood in line in freezing cold at oh, Vitucci's. Damn. Drake Bell. And he ended up doing an acoustic rendition of Gucci Gang. Oh, my God. And then he did the full, like, song version of the Drake and Josh theme song. Oh, my, oh, okay, that's nice. Yeah. It was pretty awesome, yeah. But, um. Vitucci's is done now. That's weird. It is. Yeah. 
yeah i mean most of the bars on north that like were a thing like yeah. when i like was in college or pretty much all done now damn near except for von trier and hooligans yes yeah and that's because they have like good food too well and and landmark landmark's still going strong i think oh yeah can't forget landmark i love landmark yeah i used to live over there and that was always my favorite yeah i that's like if i'm if i'm like meeting up with like my old friends that are still on the east side like that's where we're gonna go yeah i love bowling (laughs) i'm not good at it but i love it dude yeah i used to I used to bowl, like, so much as a kid. I do miss yeah. bowling a lot. We should have a PSL bowling night. Dude, that'd be dope. I think that'd like, be fun. <laughs> have some communist bowling. Yes. That'd be fun. I'm into that. Yeah, I am too, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was how we first met, was yeah. through those encounters. And... um you know, like, I would, like, so I used to live right behind the Collectivo in River West, and uh, I would, like, that would, I would just always, like, if I was getting coffee with somebody, I would always just go there, mm-hmm. and I would always see Bobby. Oh, yeah. Work. Yep. Um, and, you know, him unloading trucks and shit like that. Yeah, packing beans. Packing the beans, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I knew that, like Bobby was um I knew he was like a really like active socialist. Like yeah. that was like just kind of what I knew him as um before like really actually getting to know you guys. But then like and then I found out that you're also involved in, you know, the stuff he was doing as well. But before we can really talk about the PSL, I wanna hear a little bit about your own kind of like uh, your own political journey, Erica. So Yeah. Um, so for one, uh, where'd you grow up? So I grew up in, um, McGuanago, Wisconsin. So that's in Waukesha. Um, I mean, technically I'm from Big Bend, which is a very dinky little town. Um, but yeah, I went to school in the McGuanago school district. And so that, you know, Waukesha County is one of the most red Republican, like, places in the state. So, yeah. yeah. Sure. I, yeah, that would make sense. Um, like, when did you kind of start getting interested in politics? Um, I would say when I, I, I didn't get like seriously interested in politics until college. Um, when I was in high school, like I, I was definitely interested in like social justice things and I was always very concerned with like equality. Um, but I, yeah, I definitely didn't have the language or, or the lens to like look at politics and understand it. Like my family is all very liberal, which is, which was, you know, in, in McGuanago, which was so conservative, like that was different. And now granted, like I'm not a Democrat at all at this point, but that's like kind of how I was raised. And um, yeah, and I remember even like being in like elementary school, um, cause I always, my parents always taught me that like gay people were fine and that like they deserved equal rights and everything, um, pretty bare minimum stuff. And I, I would get in like fights with fucking like kids on the bus cause they, they, they would just like, say faggot and just say bad things about gay people and I would stand up to them and then they'd like call me a liberal and like (laughs) shit like that and but like I don't know that's all I really knew was like repeating little things that my parents kind of talked about and it was very like single issue type of things like gay rights legalized weed um 
like that is, <laughs> that's as far as my politics went for a while um and then yeah like in college i finally started thinking about it more being introduced to different ideas especially in my like lgbt studies classes which were very they did tend to be very critical of capitalism and like calling out the ways that like gender norms and family norms are reproduced um and even then like i was i still like considered myself like a democrat up until the 2016 election and it's like that's when everything really like like you just oh what a shit show like it was so unbelievable like i i voted for hillary clinton i i didn't like feel super excited about it but i was like there's no way donald trump yeah exactly there, there's just no way donald trump could be president this isn't gonna happen no it, like whatever god and then like when uh yeah, I'll never forget that night when he won, but, um, but that's when I realized, yeah, that's when I realized, like, how fucked, like, what a system that, like, produced both of those terrible candidates, and then let, you know, like, created the conditions for Trump to rise to power, and, like, yeah, so ever since then, that's when I, I went to the, um, I, I joined the Answer Coalition, which is affiliated with PSL, um, on a protest at the um at trump's inauguration and that was the first time that i actually talked to socialists and was exposed to that line and i was like holy shit like trump is the symptom capitalism is the disease like and so that's yeah since then that's when i really was able to start thinking about these things more yeah oh i hear you for sure um it's interesting because like I feel like that's a really a pretty common political journey these days yeah. was the disillusionment by the, the the product of the 2016 election yeah. being just how absolutely like atrocious of a job the Democrats did mm -hmm. um, with selling Hillary's campaign to people with like holding her accountable and uh, I mean sadly it's not too much different this time around either exactly but they don't fucking learn no they don't like they think nominating just the the most corporatized most establishment candidates because then it it feeds into the notion that with like the whole vote bloom no matter who um idea that they can just consistently keep bringing on just the shittiest candidates and expect the votes no matter what. But like, that's the, that's the whole problem with the whole vote bloom, no matter who idea is that like, you know, I understand it. And it's like, I wish it was that simple, but mm -hmm. it's not because it's like, if you keep, you know, if you keep, you know, nominating, moderate establishment dems that mm -hmm. are still bought out by the big big banks and still you know complicit in you know um capitalist rhetoric mm -hmm. and you know continue to reinforce the many oppressive institutions then the democrats are little more than like the republicans but just that are clout chasers yeah and like if anything too like you know i mean like they had their chance with bernie to like actually listen to what the people want and they sabotaged him again and 
like and it's just weird too because it's like they've almost like they kind of have like pivoted further right by like going with Biden who is so similar to Trump and like not even as progressive as some of the other ones like Warren and I have a lot of problems with Warren too but like they like they couldn't even choose her who I think they would have had a better chance with at least she like you know says she wants to um, cancel student debt and like you know, talk about healthcare. So it's it's very weird. It's like I, I I'm kind of convinced the Democrats like are committed to losing because then whenever they yeah. lose, they whenever they lose, like then they can forever just like make excuses about like oh we want to do things but the Republicans won't let us, and like yeah I don't know they're fucking sad. Right. Yeah. And it's like, well, the Democrats have still engaged in imperialist and racist action through, you know, over the course of the 20th century. I mean, you have FDR who put the Japanese in internment camps. Mm -hmm. You have Truman who bombed, who's put, who dropped atomic bombs on Japan after they had already committed to a surrender. You have Bill Clinton, who single-handedly expanded the prison industrial complex tenfold. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then you have Obama in the 21st century, who he deported more than Bush did. Right. And but he he still bombed a shit ton of people in the Middle East too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, even if the Democrats win this election in November. Which I'd be lying if I said, like, you know, I just really fucking want, like, I just hope at least, at least it would be great to not have Trump anymore. But it's also like, you know, that's not going to stop any of the work we're doing. So, Erica, what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a kid? Oh, gosh. Um, When I was a kid, I think, like, my first goal was, like, veterinarian, because I love animals. And then I realized one day that, like, that might entail like um opening up animals and like uh yeah dealing with them when they are very sick and sad um so then I was like I can't handle it um and then after that like I really uh for a long time I really wanted to be a professional makeup artist um like like on runways and stuff um so and I I got I got to kind of pursue that a little bit um but yeah that was my that was my dream job when I was a kid doing makeup so awesome i didn't know that about you mm-hmm. um what'd you study in at uwm um so i went to uwm for both my bachelor's and my master's um my bachelor's was in psychology um with a uh, certificate in lgbt studies and then my master's um was in public health at the Zilber school of public health so i've had enough of uwm i'm not going back there <laughs> yeah it's so fucking like academia it's know. so ugh, i'm sick of that shit yeah, I'm, I feel really bad for any students that have presented concerns to Mark Money only to be absolutely fucking ignored by him. Yeah, I know. It's cool to see the organizing that people are taking up there for sure. And yeah, Mark Money is just another fucking rich asshole. And like, yeah, I mean, there's tons of programs and teachers who are getting their salaries cut and you know his salary is not getting cut. He makes a ton of money. Ain't that the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, um, that's well. That well, that's cool. Um, sounds like you studied a lot of different, um, you know, dimensions of humanities. Um, I, I have a psych minor too. Oh, cool! Nice. 
the I barely and I barely got it. I like passed it like the two point five um, yeah. GPA to get the minor, but um, man, like perception was a really hard class. I remember that one. Yes. Um, with that one, did you like that one had the the lab where you had to like I don't know. There were like weird like computer simulations. Um, that's all I remember from that. There were some weird things where you had to like follow a pattern, and I don't know. I only had it was only it was the lecture only version. Oh, gotcha. But it was an eight a.m. and what you say? They must have just had that for the majors. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The it was I took it my last semester and um, it was an eight a.m. and I never went, so I barely passed. Yeah. But, eight a.m. <laughs> dude. Yeah. Yeah. Hard shit. Yeah. But um. So did you have like, so I know you mentioned you studied a little bit of like um, capitalism criticisms within your LGBT studies classes. So did you learn anything about Marxist theory in those courses? Not exactly. I think, um, I do remember at some point Engels, um, you know, Frederick Engels, he wrote a really famous piece about like, um, like the family basically under capitalism. And I know we read a portion of that. And like, yeah, that that was really interesting. Um, yeah, just talking about how like, you know, lab like like the division of labor um under capitalism like necessitated these like gendered roles and how like um like families like the family unit is like the smallest unit where those roles are like reproduced again and again. Um you, know, yeah. you mean like the nuclear family yes, the nuclear family <laughs> yeah. exactly that yeah yeah and i remember like i had yeah one of my like higher level lgbt classes um we that's what they like I, I it was like going over my head at the time but like they were like starting to talk about like imperialism a little bit and like um specifically they were talking about like homo nationalism which like was a concept that like blew my mind at the time and like they were talking about how like like um because like lgbt issues are such a like hot button thing right now that are getting to be more acceptable and and amongst liberals it's very like championed like other countries like can be how do i want to like say this it's like homo nationalism um kind of like prioritizes like like performative like lgbt like um allyship over like any other like human rights um, oh so like so like israel yes literally israel yeah that's pink when, washing pink washing that was the first time that i was for one thing like heard anything like critical about israel and like the whole like pink washing thing like that really blew my mind too because like it, and i see it now all the time too like israel is like marketed as like a like like a resort for like gay people or you know like there are resorts like that are very like LGBT friendly over there and they're just like heavily marketed and it's it's just it's very interesting to see because it's like it's still like that profit motive um at the end of the day like yeah yeah and it's also so heavily um misleading mm -hmm. in a way that when they talk about LGBTQ plus rights in Israel because gay people can't even there's not there's no same-sex marriage in Israel like that's still not a thing like it's not that much of a haven where it's like mm -hmm. you know you can you have all the same liberties as you know the traditional 
marriages. So yeah, it's so like, like, yeah, it's great that gay people can live here safely, but it's like, right. or take a vacation. Yeah. But it's like, you know, when we're talking about rights, like, mm-hmm. what are you celebrating exactly? Like, what is so remarkable that you're celebrating? The more reactionary legislators in the U.S. are still trying to backpedal mm-hmm. on, like, LGBTQ plus uh, protections and stuff oh, like yeah. that. There are oh. still these reactionaries that are working just as hard to take them away. Yep, exactly. Yeah, reform can always be undone. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was your, what was your introduction into the party for socialism and liberation? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, my first ever like exposure to PSL was when I went to that protest, um, for Trump's inauguration. Now that wasn't an only PSL led thing. Um, but there were like Chicago PSL comrades there. Um, and like at the time, so that was like, like almost a year into my relationship with Bobby and he was, he, he joined PSL before I did. Um, and at that time, there was no PSL Milwaukee branch. So he was the first um, at-large member. And so like, if there's a person in an area where they, they don't have a PSL, they can um, take the candidacy classes remotely. And then um, when they get through that, then they can become like the first member. And it, all it takes is one person to, to formally start a branch. Um, and so he took the classes by phone. And then, um, and like, I, you know, I knew he was doing it. And I like still like, wasn't really at a place where like I could even understand like what was what it was um and then yeah when he completed it and then when I met some PSL people on the ground going to to protest Trump's inauguration um that's when yeah that's when I I really became more introduced to PSL and I was like okay like now I get this like now I understand why it's really important for people to to be involved in this and yeah and then that's that's kind of where I started pursuing it so I helped, I helped establish the branch, but Bobby was the first um, full member. And then, yeah, from there, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so like, did you kind of, so with that, like, as you're going through your own candidacy and stuff, like, um, so how would you describe your own, like, sort of unlearning things you had been taught, stuff like that? Like, was that like a, a really like profound thing for you yeah it was and it, it, it's such an ongoing process and like um yeah like it was just there were so many things that I just didn't have the language to think about or describe um and so it wasn't as much like unlearning things but as like learning how to analyze um you know different issues in society from from a Marxist uh, lens and so yeah it was yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm still constantly learning all the time. Like, I feel like as I go through and, like, you know, um, teach classes and sit in on classes again, like, I am picking up more information all the time. And, you know, doing my own reading on the side really helps. But, yeah, it was, it is really, it's such a, such a profound experience because, like, at, at one point, like, I was certain, like, all this theory is going to go over my head. Like, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like, what's dialectical materialism and like now um you know with enough like repetition it it is like learning a language and and it's learning how to look at things um and so that was yeah that was really cool for me because I went from like I'm not smart enough for this to like oh like now I get this and now I feel 
like like passionate to help others like see this too yeah that's a really good way to put it um i think that like um as you get more um instilled with marxist theory and uh, like you get more familiar with the concepts and the material and the lessons like you're able to just sort of like you gradually slowly start removing that bias yeah. that mm -hmm. sort of like you know the bias that wants you to uh, um to comply with just the way things are yeah. And instead, you over time look at things like, no, like, I bet that could be changed if, like, we worked hard enough for it, you know, or like that could change if, like, you know. Workers have uh, the power. Yeah. Exactly. And you also see through a lot of the performative empathy. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. with, the, with the liberal side of, like, saying a lot, but yeah. not always doing, like, you know, all of the the labor that goes into causing actual socioeconomic, socio-political change. And mm -hmm. yeah, so my introduction to Marxism was kind of weird because mm -hmm. so, you know, I know it's really cringy, but I used to, you know, I used to be a big Joe Rogan fan in college. You know, I was, I like, <laughs> I had some friends that were like libertarians and they were like, oh my God, like you guys, you should really listen to Jordan Peterson or like you really should. Yeah, I know. Oh, or like you should watch Dave Rubin. And like, like every time, like I would think like when I would like learn something or speak out about something like, you know, that was more like, you know, maybe we shouldn't appropriate other people's cultures, like, if you're mm -hmm. not part of that culture, or it's like, oh. maybe we shouldn't be platforming, like, these hateful people and stuff, and, right. like, people would, like, you know, people, like, that I would be randomly Facebook friends with would be, that were kind of in that, like, libertarian league would be, like, Ben, don't let the Marxists get to you. <laughs> oh, man, too late now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'd be, like, they'd be, like, no like like the left has a victimhood complex like no like if you if you if you believe like if you keep telling yourself that you're oppressed then you'll believe that you're oppressed and it's like oh my god that's not how it works and that well that's literally what these people that's believe. how they think it works yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's not what they believe and like um and you know like i grew up in a pretty liberal family like my parents are lifelong democrats and, mm -hmm. and i'm grateful that you know kind of similar to you like I grew up with like that similar like being taught that like you know gay people are totally okay and uh, I, I knew nothing about politics growing up but mm. my dad I, I would always just from what I would hear about my dad like Bush is bad yeah Bush is bad <laughs> yeah that's what my parents said too yeah essentially but Obama good right you know? mm -hmm. like so that was kind of just like my intro to that growing up but totally. um but yeah like you know so i i kind of had this like you know this apprehension about like you know learning about marxism and socialism because i was just surrounded by people in college that were very like against the ideas but then i had my senior seminar 
in my journalism major, which was a class about public, uh, political economy of the media. Mm-hmm. And is essentially a class that teaches like Marxist theory and how it relates to capitalism, controlling the media conglomerates and, uh, you know, controlling like what we see and what we learn about through these, you know, these major news networks and things. And that shit, that shit changed everything, Erica. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I remember like, cause that was like my last class on my way out for graduation. And then it's like, all right, you're out in the real world. world. Good luck uh, finding a job. Yeah. And at this point I was like, well, I don't want to fucking work for you know, just a rate a, a corporate news network that had that where it's just all a numbers game. Like, mm-hmm. I want to write about like actual real stories and real people, real like, firsthand testimonies of like, you know, what matters to people and shit like that, and not just what's going to get viewers. You know, like, right. um, you know, I ended up becoming a music journalist, but like, I am so fucking grateful. Like, I learned about Marxism at that time because if I didn't, like. I could have very much, very easily could have been like hunting for a job at like, I don't know, like channel 12 or channel four or like move to a different, a whole different city, Mm -hmm. like working for, you know, some um, network news channel, but, you know, almost sacrificing my own personal values. Right for a job which I refuse to do at this point you know yeah no that's good and it would have been like you know some like those those mainstream arms of the media like directly serve capitalist interests and so it's like yeah it's it's I mean like I'm not um I don't really have any like journalism background at all but it's like that I just think of that as such a sad like like um like exploitation of creativity too and just like truth telling and storytelling and it's like like all of those 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 media sources serve an agenda. They serve the capitalist agenda, and that's why they're such like they're just so unreliable. Um, so yeah, yeah. I good for you for not not going totally. Yeah. Well, and we saw that this weekend. You know, we had some network news cover, or at least I should say, come to mm-hmm. our march on Sunday to abolish the police, yeah. and uh, who came out with stories. I saw two. Yeah, but, we had two. Yeah, but there were like four networks. Yeah, like, like yeah. There were several news. There were several um, TV channels that were there to cover our event. Yep. But you know, because we were marching for something that was directly critical and uh, of an abolitionist nature. Yeah. Nothing came out from them. Right. Or but they then a lot of the details. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, they, but then when it came to, like, the Shepherd Express, they, you know, they, they covered the story, yeah, they yeah. did a great job, and they didn't leave anything out, Yeah, and that's, that's a big thing I did learn about journalism and the industry, is that, like, like it's ridiculously easy to just leave things out. Yeah, hmm Or to phrase things a certain way. Yep. That's the game. Yeah. That's yeah. the ugly game. Yeah. Obscuring the truth. Yeah. And obscuring like the parts that really matter. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, shout out to Liberation News, you know, mm-hmm. shout out to other networks. Like, I mean, breaking the chains. 
yeah, I've watched some Al Jazeera in mm-hmm. my day, some Democracy Now. Yeah, you know, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Like there's this group. There's um, there are some publications or websites that you know are giving a better picture. Yes. But it's just it's it's a mockery of actual journalism. Yeah. So it's co-opting journalism for corporate interests, and that fucking disgusts me. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. And like, I mean, yeah, like everything else in this fucking country, it's a corporation it's about the money. That's and right. fear, fear sells, and you know, selling stories of of fucking things burning and riots happening and and property being destroyed is it's it always sell more than you know the people who are dedicating like pretty much every day just to be out there peacefully and yeah yeah you know how that goes right so when you completed your candidacy in uh, the PSL which had to be what like three years at this point ago? oh yeah like two and a half years yeah hmm. mm-hmm. um so when you completed your candidacy how big was the branch at that point um let's see it was like like six people i think yeah <laughs> damn power team six yeah. people all right and of them um there are there's only three of us from that original branch so me bobby and mitch shout out to mitch you can through it all this time yeah oh yeah totally yeah um damn so i mean y'all had a lot of responsibility at that point to really like continue building this revolutionary socialist movement from basically like from the ground up then yeah in milwaukee yeah and it's like it was it was so challenging and and it really took a long time to to get our footing and to get a structure and it really you know, especially when the branch is that young, it takes people who are like really ready to commit, even even when it's hard, even when like it's kind of slow and sad. Like, um, yeah, like there there's like only certain kinds of people who are willing to put in like that kind of work and like build that up from the ground. And I will say too, um, Maddie, shout out to Maddie. Big um, shout out to them. Yeah. yeah, Maddie showed up um very early on in that, and and we were a hot mess, and like and, and Maddie really wanted to be there too, and um that also really helped. Like it's just like when you're that small, you need all hands on deck, and so yeah, from there we were able to kind of figure our shit out, you know. Um, yeah, getting some more structure, getting like a regular schedule, getting a, a, a regular meeting space, all really, really helped. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a weird time. And there were a lot of times where I didn't think we were going to make it. And I thought like, it might dissipate. Um, because like, yeah, it's just hard to, 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 to run things when you're only like four people. And um, yeah, and uh I don't know. It's I, like, I, I was still like motivated to keep going though, because I really felt like, like I needed to, and that like, it would be worth it eventually. And, and that is, that is how it ended up going. And so I'm really thankful that, that I did stick with it. And that was when I was still like figuring out how to be a Marxist, how to be a revolutionary. Like I, I was still like learning shit and I was like, I don't even know. Um, but like, yeah, it was, I just, I, I, I always just like believed in the intention behind it that like it, it is, worth it to build that that community in milwaukee um that it would pay off eventually so yeah what a time hell yeah you know there's gonna be people that see this that 
still don't have any idea what the hell PSL is. So do you mm -hmm. want to explain what the Party for Socialism and Liberation is and our mission and our ideology? Sure, yeah, I can sum it up. So um, the Party for Socialism and Liberation is a um, revolutionary Marxist-Leninist party. Um, and the PSL strives to organize the working class and actually represent the working class's interest in all that we do. And so we believe that, um, that, that well, capitalism is, is incompatible with human need. It's incompatible with the needs of this planet. And, um, and we see the only, the only solution to this is, is revolution. Um, we believe that, that the workers should have the power um, workers should have ownership over um, the means of production. Workers should have access to, um, you know, the, the surplus value that they create because workers create all the value in society. Um, workers make the world run, and so workers should run the world is a succinct way to, to describe our view and to describe the Marxist view in general. Um, because, like, as, as it stands now, like, like, any working class person knows, like, like you can toil away your whole life making money for someone else up at the top and um and you you are scraping by to to get your basic needs met um and so psl believes in um guaranteed like human rights basically we believe in um like housing for all healthcare for all education for all um we believe in full rights for all lgbt people and we believe in, you know, equal compensation for, for all genders. Um, we see that racism is a direct product of capitalism because capitalism necessitates um, a divided working class. And so we see that as long as capitalism exists, there will always be a material basis for racism. And, um, and so we believe in reparations for black, brown and indigenous people. Um, we believe in um, yeah, dismantling the, the very systems that enact oppression on um, Black, Brown, and Indigenous people every day. So like the police, um, the prison industrial complex, we see that all of these things have a direct relation to the profit motive and that, um, you know, all of like the system really is working exactly how it was meant to. And, and capitalism runs to um, protect the wealth of, of a very small number of people who are hoarding all of the resources that resources that could be accessed um, you know if the workers had access to their surplus value and these these resources could easily pay for these things that were constantly told are too expensive like healthcare and um, housing and education like all of those things could be paid for clean water for that matter too um, all of these things could be paid for if there wasn't just this like small minority of people hoarding all the wealth and making it impossible for, for anyone else to get that wealth. So, um, so yeah, we, we believe that like, you know, capitalism is a depraved system that it is not, um, you know, it's just not conducive to life on this planet. And, and that's why like with climate change too, like there is such a sense of urgency to change how this society is structured, how the modes of production, um, are, are established because like it's there's just um there's so much waste in capitalism waste of of direct materials and product and waste of, of electricity of energy of water 
all of these things directly relate back to the mode of production, um, this mass mass produced society. Um, and so, yeah, we we see that like life on this planet cannot continue if capitalism continues. And so, um, yeah, so so the goal of the PSL is to organize the working class to develop um, leadership in all members of the working class so that we can take power back and so that the yeah the the workers can can enjoy a status of power and control over their over their surplus value because um yeah we can't rely on the the billionaires and the ruling class to to play nice and to grant us um our wishes and they like they will literally drive us to extinction if we don't um yeah organize ourselves and take the power back Amen. That's Amen. that is uh that's about it. <laughs> that's that's the tea spilled um about tea the spilled. system. Yeah. Um another thing, what do we call the uh what do we call imperialism? Oh, capitalism in its highest form. That's, yes. Right. That I think imperialism is a very key thing to understand about capitalism that yeah. you know it goes really much deeper than just our own system and our own um, economy and uh, political cycle in the U.S. But as it relates to international relations, like that can't be, that cannot be excluded from the conversation whatsoever because we've caused, the U.S. imperialism has caused death, devastation, murder, you know, genocide, ethnic cleansing, mm -hmm. and uh, milking of resources mm -hmm. across the world um, to maintain our ultimate world power. Yes. And if people really understood that and also the propaganda that goes behind that, that causes people to buy into this, you know, like patriotic agenda, this, yeah. I should say, I should say, so-called patriotic agenda mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that, you know, hopes to ensnare the rest of the world with U.S. interest. Yep. If people understood that alone, like, that, and I, I think that that's also one of the more complex things to understand. Yeah. But once you grasp that, you're like, wow, like, we live, we don't live in, you know, a country of freedom. We live in an empire. Yes, yes. An empire that exploits said freedoms in order to hold power over all the regions of the world. Yeah. You know, under the, under the guise of westernizing them. Yes. Um, which is a big thing that these anti-Marxists like to preach about. But I like what um, a key thing. Uh, what I like what you said, and this is another huge thing about the PSL, like that, you know, is also very imperative. Is like how we're talking about the system working exactly how it's supposed to. Like, yeah. it's kind of a misnomer when people say like, "Oh, the system's broken." Right. Like, right. It's it's broken in the sense of like working for all people. Right. That, Absolutely. Right. But it's not 
but it's not a misnomer in in the sense of like how capitalism operates and how this privatization and the you know politi politicization of identity mm -hmm. and uh, deregulation of financial markets and uh, putting profits over the welfare of employees and of of inhabitants like that's how that is exactly what capitalism is i've heard and, in some marxist circles people talk about how like overpopulation is a myth because we have because we have like all these resources we do have the resources and we do have the fiscal means to pay and cover every single inhabitant on this earth with like collectivism yes but it's just not being done because it's become this it's uh, just not profitable yeah because you know I'm going to reference the the popular show Game of Thrones. It mm -hmm. essentially is a Game of Thrones when it mm -hmm. comes to these world powers, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And um yeah, it was you know, the system's just not designed to to cover everyone's bases. It's it's designed to keep a few people at the top and um you know, protect the interests of of really the United States. Like we're one of the, the drivers of global capitalism and imperialism. Like and um yeah it, it's it's not designed to to make to to cover everyone um at the lower end because the working class like they need to keep us stressed they need to keep us like barely surviving like so that we we don't have the energy to organize and so that we don't have the ability to rise up um and take the power back and um yeah and yeah i'm glad you brought up the the myth of overpopulation um, because that's, you know, as more and more people are concerned with like climate change these days, as they should be, um, people are, are wildly misdirecting their, um, their outrage because it's, it's not about the sheer number of people on the planet. It is about the mode of production because it's, it's, it, it's the mass produced stuff and the fracking and the environmental destruction that is destroying the planet. It's not the sheer number of people and like, you know, with all the all the technology that 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 we have at our disposal like we like those a lot of that technology can be made green it's just not because it's not profitable and um yeah like we we have all this innovation that could be used to to meet human need even better than than we are but again they choose not to and like um yeah it's just it's not yeah i don't know it's just like sad because it's people people wildly misdirect their their anger and their sense of responsibility and they focus on things like plastic straws and like individual actions and it's like that is the tiniest piece of it that's right yeah and like you know little yeah like little things like oh like turning the lights off like every time you're not right. in a room it's like yeah you know i do that right you know, I, I i definitely do that but ultimately that is so insanely futile yes. compared yeah. to the power of these corporations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that this year alone made a great case for, you know, so many Marxist principles um, <laughs> that mm -hmm. is, I mean, it's, it, it is exciting, but it's also like, 
it's scary too because there's still so many people that still cling on to um to things like reform you know or things like simple like oh if we retrain the police like it's gonna it'll change you know necessary things like no you know like I mean, up until this past April when I joined the PSL, um, I was, you know, pretty much like a democratic socialist. You know, I was like still, you know, not totally sold on the idea of communism um, because, again, it's a lot of just misinformation we're fed about, like, what the actual system is that Mm -hmm. communism is, like how it operates and also just how um you know in the in the past like no like sure like it hasn't been done perfectly in the past like we're still critical of all of the countries that you right. know we recognize in mm-hmm. these revolutions like cuba right and China. The soviet union yeah yeah soviet union mm-hmm. um we're still critical but it's like a lot of these things wouldn't have been so, um, you know, uh, strained by resource if it weren't for imperialism. Yes. And a good example is Venezuela. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You no, know, like, yes, there's a huge economic crisis going on in Venezuela. That is a real thing, but it's not just, be- it's not because of socialism. It's because the U.S. has blockaded economically the country and punishes yeah. countries that do business with them. People in the, on the more moderate left side. Mm-hmm. Deep down, they're probably socialists just like us. Mm-hmm. They're just afraid of taking yeah. that leap of faith. <laughs> it's true. A lot of people, you know, agree with socialist principles and they just don't realize it. And that's because of all that propaganda and like fear mongering that the United States puts forth. Um, but yeah, it's like if you if you believe that like people deserve basic rights regardless of their their ability to like be productive, quote unquote, like like then you like you you just might be a Marxist. Like you just might be a socialist. Like and that's okay. And like um but yeah, it is it's really I think it's really fucked up and sinister like how the United States just you know, like you said, like treats other countries that are socialist and trying to implement these programs like because it like we can't even like just let other people like do their thing like that is like the opposite of what the united states does we have to get our noses stuck in everyone's business and and it's just it's truly wild and that dates back a long time like that dates back to the cold war and like you know demonizing the soviet union and that's like still going on and um yeah i don't know it's just it's it's just you know i don't mean to interrupt um But speaking of the Soviet Union, you want to know what one of my favorite video games was as a kid? What? Metal Gear Solid 3. Where oh, no. you play as a, you play as Sky Snake. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a U.S. soldier. Uh, and you're basically a, a spy in the Soviet Union. Yeah, from a young age, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, young age, you're told, like, those are the bad guys. Soviet means bad. Um, did you ever play Street Fighter as a kid? Play, I was more of a Mortal Kombat kid, but I know of Street, yeah, I know of Street Fighter, though. I love Mortal 
Mortal Kombat 2. But I think the first time I was introduced to the Soviet Union was also in a video game, and that was Street Fighter, because um, I remember Zangief was from the USSR, and I think that's where, like, the big bad guy, M. Bison, was from, too. And I, I don't know. I just remember, like, the imagery of it being very, like, destitute and cold. And, like, how weird. Like, it's, I don't know. I just think it's weird how that propaganda just slips into everything. Yeah. Another good example is um, my first time ever hearing the word imperial was in mm -hmm. Skyrim. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the imperials in uh, Skyrim are, like, the most human-looking mm. uh, races that you can choose from when you're creating your character. Um, but then you can also choose, like, there's a war between, like, the Imperials and the Stormcloaks, and, like, the Stormcloaks are, like, the Rebels. You're supposed to pick that side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But... That's, yeah, there's a lot of propaganda in video games, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah so much. And in TV, and in oh, movies. Yeah. It's everywhere. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Looking back over the last couple of years, you've been a full member of the PSL. Like, what have been some of your like proudest moments as a comrade? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, let's see. I I think that um, I just I, some of the things I think of are, are like more minor. Um, so. First of all, like just us getting an office um, was really amazing. Like that was a really good milestone. Um, we're lucky to have an office in River West and to have a community with other activists um, to kind of share that space with. That has been huge. It really just makes life a lot easier, even though we, we don't get to use it very much these days with COVID, but to have that workspace even, have a place to go to work on, on party work is awesome. Um, so that that's a big one. Um, I'd say like, um you know we've had a few like really nice like community events um where people come in i mean like as of recently like we had the the black lives matter in palestine event that was really good like that went like really smoothly um and like you know even before that like last year like we had um an event about venezuela where gloria lariva our our presidential candidate um came and and gave uh you know she she's she went on a speaking tour after she went to venezuela um, this was like shortly after like the United States like tried to overthrow the government um, and she went on a speaking tour and came to our office and a lot of people from the community showed up to that and and listened um, and that she was came, really cool. She came to our little old office. Yeah she was our there. Our tiny little old office. In the... She visited us twice yeah. And amazing. She's amazing. Gloria Lariva is amazing. I love just like being in a party where like I get to talk to our presidential candidate and she's amazing. And like, she wants to talk to us. And um, I mean, like fun fact, I'll just like flex a little. Um, she she uh, needed a place to stay that night. So she did stay at my house. So like, oh, I had shit. a candidate stay at my house and that was That's, pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, that amazing. Is, that is super badass. Yeah. God, and she left like a little thank you note in the morning, and she was like, "Thanks for letting me stay here." Uh, I have that; I kept it. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So things like that, I think of that are just like I don't know. It's sometimes it's like the smaller things um, that I think of that that just like I don't know that I that really like stick out in my brain as like proud moments. And um, yeah, I, and I'd say just as of recently, just being out in the community more like I think we've just had a really good summer despite how 
difficult and crazy everything has been. We've also been connecting with the community a lot. And I think that, you know, that that is a success and um, definitely something we want to keep up. Yeah. 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 No, thank you for sharing all that. Um, yeah. Because like, yeah, like I, I think it's, there's a lot of merit to reflecting on accomplishments, um, you know, both individually within the party and also just like the party as a group. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I guess I can share how I got involved in the PSL was yeah. just from being, uh, you know, I was just so disgruntled, disillusioned, depressed, sad, and angry yeah. about um, our local election in April this oh, past God. year. What a nightmare, yeah. Such a nightmare of five of 180 polling places opened up during the pandemic. They couldn't before, have owned it, yeah. Yeah, before the masks were like really like a whole universally recognized thing. So, right, right. and um, you know, like I was, I was one of the lucky ones that got to vote through mail. Um, so I didn't go to a polling place that day, but just how grotesque it was mm -hmm. to watch our local representatives like exploit thousands of people and their safety mm -hmm. absolutely abhorrent and yeah. uh, and people got covid from that day like there were definitely clusters that sprang up as yeah. a result of that yep there was the spike after that yeah and uh, and the Republicans still lost after that, which <laughs> was kind of a silver lining that, right. like, at least all those fucking assholes, like, did lose. Yeah. But even then, like, I mean, I was also, not only that, not only what happened here, but also just what the establishment once again did to Bernie. Yes. Mm -hmm. This year, you know, I, you know, I've always been, you know, a very fond admirer of Bernie Sanders and just to see what like the establishment did to him again mm -hmm. was you know it I think it it just really angered and disheartened a lot of voters yep like mm -hmm. young voters like progressive voters and you know I just really did not want like to uh, be swept into this you know that was what i just i i needed something different you know i just had to find some kind of answer that was like what can we do now because mm -hmm. like you know some people might feel like their fucking lives are over because of this mm -hmm. and what like what answer is there to that mm -hmm. and i'm so grateful to bobby because i made a status that the day after the election that was like what can we do now what is there to do and bobby who i had vaguely known mm -hmm. at the point mm -hmm. um commented now is the time to organize now is the time to get radical yeah. like the revolution is here mm -hmm. and it included a link to join the psl yes yeah and that was where i was like fuck it fuck it yeah fuck it yeah. i'm i'm all in i'm gonna give it a try like i and that's what I, did. Yeah. yeah, and I had been telling myself, like, yeah, I need to get more involved in, like, politics and community organizing and stuff. But by joining the PSL, like, you do that by default. Yes. Mm 
So I applied. Mm-hmm. I had a phone call with Maddie mm-hmm. uh, about a week later. Mm-hmm. We brought you in. A week after that, I had my first candidacy class. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was one of the best decisions I made this whole year. Um, yeah. It might become, I hope it becomes one of the best decisions I've made in my lifetime. But even just in my run, like, I've experienced things that have changed my life, like yeah. marching yeah. in the BLM marches this summer, you know, marching for an eviction moratorium, marching for police abolition, like things I would not have had the bravery to do mm-hmm. or the integrity to do or the confidence to do, to have be surrounded by comrades that like genuinely like they believe in you, they believe yeah. in each other, they believe in this movement, like we're a family, mm-hmm. but a family that, you know, holds each other accountable and a family that like doesn't pat ourselves on the back like we always want to do better yeah for longer than a second because the first the second we have a victory sure we can be happy about that but that means we have to plan even more for the second victory that's right yeah yeah and that's like yeah that i mean like marxism is all about like self-reflection and self-criticism and that's why yeah i think it's it's such a, I, I, it's such a unique and like special relationship between comrades. Like it's, it's different than just like typical friends. Um, because like we are, we have a common goal. We have a common thing that we're working towards, a common thing that we believe in and that we are all, um, you know, we, we, we need each other to, to make those goals happen. And we it, our all of our work depends on each other. Um, because, uh, yeah, because the power lies within us and within us as as a collective and it's not just about like individuals um and yeah and so yeah um yeah i it's so interesting because it's like i think like really committing to um committing to like political action and, and committing to your community um locally and at large like it can be very transformative and like just so much growth can happen there. Like when you're willing to to put yourself on the line by like standing up for what's right, um, learning things and unlearning things. It's a completely different experience than like, you know, like just voting. Like, like, and I wish like more people would be willing to get involved in parties like the PSL or just like mutual aid projects that are not um, not tethered to to capitalism you know, real grassroots efforts, because like that, that's where we, we develop our power and our, and our connections. And it's, yeah, I mean, like, if you go to like one protest, if you spend like, like, some time on one mutual aid project, if you, um, you know, dedicate time to any amount of organizing, really, like you've done more than what you, you can do at a voting booth. Um, and so, yeah, like I, yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm very happy to hear that you have been so, you know, getting a lot out of this process because like that is, that is what it's about. It's about growing as an individual and, and, and growing as a group. Um, and that, that's where our power lies. Like all, all we have is each other at the end of the day. It is, it is up to us to, um, yeah, break these chains and, and change the world. Would you like, would you care to explain why, like, 
this idea, this weight that people assign to simply voting in presidential elections. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, um, you know, I do think voting is important. And I think like it's, it depends on the election. Like sometimes voting in, in, in your local election can have more direct material consequences. Um, and, and same with like voting for your state representatives. But like, honestly, like, especially when it comes to like the presidential election, like, I like, I do believe that like voting is, um, you know, it is symbolic. Um, it's, you know, there's so much uh, importance placed on it because it, it's, it's positioned as like the one like acceptable way to be like politically active. And like, it's like the be all end all of everything. Um, and like, I, I think that's also kind of a consequence of this like very individualist culture that we live in that, that is focused on the individual action, the one and done, cast your vote, whatever. Um, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, like, especially like this year, I really don't think that, that, um, you know, voting for Joe Biden is gonna end in any material consequences that benefit me or any of the people that I am interested in fighting for. Um, and so like, yeah, I mean, I think, I think people should vote. I think people should stay aware of their local elections, especially. I think people should do their research and think about what they're voting for. Um, but I am so like over the whole, like the whole like blame game of around voting especially right now like it's just I'm, blue, no matter no matter who <laughs> like like shit's burning to the ground like things are getting smashed people are getting shot and then like these motherfuckers just come out of nowhere to say like you better vote like fucking shut up like show me where on the ballot i can vote out institutional racism there's no place on the ballot especially when it's fucking joe biden and kamala harris the fucking crime bill of 1994 and like mass incarceration ticket like like there's mentioned she put um kamala harris notorious for putting um trans people in uh, yes the wrong the wrong prison. prisons yeah direct act of violence against trans people right. and, like yeah like god yeah like they both have such a long track record of just like you know like concrete actions that you can point to that directly relate to like what what's going on now and so it's just like you it, it's such a slap in the face that like 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 in the midst of all these black lives matter uprisings like like the democrats really did pick a cop for the vice presidential ticket like like you can't make this shit up it's like they like they they directly oppose what the people are asking for it's absolutely awful um but yeah like like I don't know. It, it's just, it's sad to see, like, there is a lot of, like, division and, like, like, uh, drama around voting, too. Like, people don't want to, um, like, I don't know, people, people would much rather, like, blame their neighbors for the outcome of the election because it's easier to conceptualize that than to conceptualize the systemic, you know, corruption in, in, in the capitalist, uh, electoral system um yeah it's it's so nuts to see all like the gaslighting happening about like if you vote third party like or if you don't vote like like this is all your fault when trump gets reelected, and it's like really 
the only person to blame is Joe Biden and <laughs> the Democrats. Yeah. Like when, like, he, when he wins again, it's, it's their fault for not putting forth a candidate that actually attempts to connect with people. Right. Yeah, like, for me, you know, I'm proud of you if you voted, whether you voted for the PSL candidate or if you feel like you have to vote for Biden. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm going to be proud of you because you still did it. Right. But, you know, and I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, this has been really heavy on my mind, and I kind of want to hear your thoughts, is that, like, you know, I feel like people keep – they keep – um you know, like, disregarding third-party candidates, like, as, oh, if you don't vote for, excuse me, um, if you don't vote for Joe Biden, then it's a vote that goes towards Trump, you know, like, that gets, that's been getting thrown around for the past five years, like, since I've been a registered voter. Yep. And, um, but it's, like, also that same rhetoric seems to prevent third parties like the PSL, like the Green Party, like, you know, the Workers' World Party, for mm-hmm. example, other third parties that have worker, working the working class ahead of everything, that have, mm-hmm. like, green politics ahead of everything, stuff mm-hmm. like that. That whole rhetoric just feeds into blind faith in the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. and it prevents to give any traction to these revolutionary groups mm-hmm. that could be viable options for the presidential races in the future. I mean, like, I think it's, and it's complicated by this winner-takes-all politics, where it's like you vote on who you hate more, and you vote mm-hmm. on, you vote based on... Lesser of two evils. That's right. Exactly. So, like, you know, whether, like, the replacement becomes, like, ranked choice voting eventually, yeah, um, which I personally would like to see. Ooh, I mean, it I just like, prevents any revolutions from happening whatsoever. Yeah. You know, like, what do you think yeah. about that? Yeah, no, I, I, I do. Um, yeah, I would agree. And I see that, like, there, it's very sad to see, like, just, like, the extreme, like, demonization of third parties for even like wanting to be on the ballot um and just blaming them like that's something uh we saw a lot when we were campaigning for Gloria Lariva in um Minnesota um some people right are like oh no like not this election and then you know we try to explain like we just want to be on the ballot like we don't expect to win we just want to be on the ballot and then they're like no but like even you being on the ballot is a threat to to the election and like like that's that's really nice what you're doing I, and like people even go so far as to say like I support what you're doing and it's like well no you don't because you won't just sign on to us to have sign your fucking name yeah just write your name you don't have to vote you do yeah whatever but like yeah but people are like oh yeah like I I think we need more parties too but not right now not right now and it's just like that's always like that has always been said that has been said for every election like it's not new and and it, yeah it really is just like if not now when. And like, you know, like to be clear too, like like PSL doesn't um, run on the ballot because we expect to win. Honestly, we wouldn't like want to win because we see the presidency as the CEO of the like capital of American capitalism, and that that's totally not what what we would ever even want. We don't believe in reform, right. but like um, but like we do, you know, 
like elections as a concept aren't like a bad idea. It's because they're horribly corrupt by capitalism and the two party system. Um, but, but yeah, like they are, you know, tools for engaging with people. And I can't speak for other parties like Green Party who probably do want to win. Um, and that's unfortunate that, that they're treated the way they are too. Um, but yeah, like I, I think it's, yeah, it's really sad how people just, just demonize the shit out of third parties just for existing. And it's like, well, like if you also agree that like these two options are not good, like, like you should uh, like support third parties existing and growing in numbers and growing in legitimacy. And like, yeah, it's just, it's wild to me too, how like merely mentioning other options and merely criticizing the Democrats like triggers such a response from some people who just get instantly so defensive. And like, I, I just, I've had that happen on my own Facebook, just like posting things and it's just wild. Like, 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 I, like because people inside know that like the Democrats don't run on a, on a solid ticket and that like they're, they're full of shit and like people know this. And so it's almost like people get like mad when you even like try to point that out. Which I That's think why they're so sensitive to it. Yeah. 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 And it's just, it's very strange because it's just like, like me merely talking and spreading awareness about Gloria Lariva and like the PSL, like it, like I'm not prevent, I'm not like, I don't have any effect on like how that um, election is going to go. Like, like it's just, yeah, it's very strange. How do you think Gloria, how would it go if Gloria Lariva was on this on the debate stage with Biden and Trump. How do you think that would go? I wish I could see that. Yeah, that, that would that would rock. That would be so cool. She would she would wipe the floor with them, honestly. Because like especially um especially with Biden and like the Democrats, like they have such a way of like not answering questions ever and like just like saying things without actually any like, debate literally any fucking democrat or republican debate that's all it fucking is yeah. bernie is like the only one who like kind of would answer the question right right yeah at least like yeah they just they say so many things that like sound pretty and like that's that's about it and they don't actually like amount to anything so god it would be badass to see Gloria like respond to those questions because and then like the best thing about her too is like she speaks in a very clear way like she speaks to the masses because she works with the masses because she always has and like um so yeah like she actually has answers to things that like you just don't see from the democrats yeah man she'd wipe the floor with them yeah she would mm -hmm. yeah. so erica like so I guess this is kind of like a broader two-part question and it'll be kind of like the tail end of our episode here. But, you know, we've been talking about revolution, you know, for the past hour. Um, what do you personally hope to see um, a year from now? Ooh, a year from now. Interesting. Um, yeah, so much is going to happen in this next year. Um, I hope... I mean, first of all, in the most immediate, like, I really hope COVID gets taken care of. Um, I really hope that we are actually, like, flattening the curve by next year. I really hope that people can, can um, you know, go about their lives safely and with less fear. Um, and I really hope that there will be more um, economic 
uh, relief provided to the people, um, you know, between now and then, because we are like, you know, descending into, into a crisis. Um, and so, yeah, I hope like those immediate needs can be taken care of. Um, I also hope that like, you know, who knows like what kind of landscape we'll be in by then in the timeline of these Black Lives Matter uprisings. Um, who knows what, what, what that'll look like next year. But I, I really hope that all those people that are fighting against injustice right now, who are waking up to these concepts, um, will find an, a, a long-term and sustainable outlet for their energy. Um, because the uprisings are, are an amazing thing and they're really important, but like, they're not the only thing. And, um, and so I really hope that like, eventually when, when, when the movement in the streets like slows down, I hope that, that those, those emerging leaders will dedicate time and energy to organizing. And, and I just hope more people, you know, between all the racial injustice we've seen, between all the injustice we've seen as a result of COVID, um, I really hope more people will be ready to like make that dedication to political activity um, and like, and find, find how it works for them to be involved. Um, because it is amazing to see so much more interest in socialism right now and just like, um, you know, community organizing, mutual aid. And so I really hope that that continues and I expect it to because I, I just, I feel like things are so different right now. Like you, you just, you can't deny um, what is happening and like people really are waking up on like a mass, massive scale. And so I, I do feel optimistic. I feel like, um, yeah, I think in the next year we will see a lot more activity. We just, we need to become more organized and we need to become like more strategic. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I love that a lot. Um, and I agree. Like, yeah, I share your sentiments about COVID. I really do hope that, you know, we can swiftly help keep helping with flattening the curve because it is very likely going to spill into next year. It probably is. Um, I, even if the Democrats win this November, mm -hmm. we said this at the beginning, it does not stop our work. Right. And uh, can't get complacent. No, we can't get satisfied whatsoever. Satisfaction is complicity. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, yes, I'll be very happy that Trump isn't president anymore, but I'll be even more happy yeah. if we can help keep radicalizing these Democrats into a more socialist and, uh, you know, abandoning, like, giving into these socialist principles that they should have been doing all along. Mm -hmm. Then once that happens, hopefully, you know, in uh, 10 years from now, we'll be moving towards something like abolition. Right, yeah. So that leads us to the second question. This is the bigger one, Erica. Mm -hmm. What do you want to see 10 years from now? Ooh, um, yeah, 10 years from now, that's gonna be interesting. I mean, like that. We'll be in our thirties. I know that'll be crazy. Yeah, I'll be fifty-five. <laughs> e, but um, I mean, I'll still be out here doing my thing. Um, but like, yeah. Uh, in the next ten years, I mean, some of the more uh, like morbid things that I think we're going to be dealing with are the consequences of climate change, as we are already seeing. 
um, with extreme weather, with the fires and the hurricanes, um, I think, you know, climate experts say like we really only have like 12 years to like reverse things in a significant way. Um, so if capitalism carries on, like we will be dealing with even more like immediate threats. Um, and so like my hope is that like, again, like, you know, whether or not like capitalism has completely fallen yet and we've replaced it with, with uh, the worker state. Um, I, I, I have like hope and, and wish for like community strength and like mutual aid to flourish even beyond what it is now. Um, I mean, we're seeing like amazing things already happening like in communities in Milwaukee and elsewhere, um, just like people coming together to meet basic needs around like food um, and, you know, mutual aid in terms of trying to keep each other housed, like we see in MATU. Um, like, oh yeah, can we give a quick shout out to Milwaukee Autonomous Tenants Union? Shout out to the Milwaukee Autonomous Tenants Union. And if anyone listening is, is dealing with um, some landlord shit as a result of this pandemic or otherwise, like, please reach out to MATU. Um, because like, yeah, that's there. Yeah, again, like another, another reason we need to build um, community power and tenant power is so that we can uh, defend against like the, the tyranny of the ruling class, which includes landlords. Yeah. And so like, I see these things, like these things are starting to develop now, these mutual aid networks. And, um, and I know like there is mutual aid happening in terms of uh, disaster relief right now in different parts of the country. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I just hope that we will continue to get better at like caring for each other and um, yeah, sustaining life as best as we can in this, in this, death cult of, of America. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know. It's just so hard to say. Cause it's like, like you, the, the revolution is not linear and it's not like a one-time event and it's, it's not even like a clear process, but it is a process. And so, and like, as Marxists, like, um, we can only predict insofar as we can analyze the material situation. And so it's like, who knows when we're going to have that opportunity to like seize control. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, we're going to have to just continue to improve our strategies really and continue to, to become more tight knit and uh, impenetrable to, to the capitalist influences. Yeah. Yeah. I just hope we're all still around in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I yeah. certainly do too. We shouldn't have to say that, you know, like, mm-hmm. but, and you know what? like i believe that we will still fucking be here still fighting the good fight but mm-hmm. you know yeah i i also believe that that means we have to hold our loved ones and our comrades ever so closely because yeah. mm-hmm. they're not going to go down without a fight it's true it's um true. yeah i'm hoping so like you said like you know i'm hoping we can totally circumvent the most urgent issues of climate change mm-hmm. next 10 years um i for one hope that uh, the alt-right is long gone by then right yeah um, or at least or at least they are severely minimized because i mean there's likely to be reactionaries you know no matter what you do but right. 
you know, just how they're emboldened they are right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm hoping that's long gone, even right. outlawed, even liable for cause of, you know, hate crimes, because that's essentially what mm-hmm. the it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, I hope, I also just really hope we can find a radical re-envisionment of our justice system, of the police, mm-hmm. of, you know, the the way the law is enforced rather than citizens protected. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I really want to see. And like, you know, we march together on Sunday for mm-hmm. exactly that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope we start seeing marches like that across the country. Mm-hmm. And massive, yeah, massive numbers. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I I believe in us. I believe in us. I, I think that revolutionary the, optimism. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I the revolution is always won. You know, if there's anything that history has taught us, despite the whitewashing, despite the slowness, despite the you know political complacency, progressivism is inevitable, mm-hmm. and the progressivism towards a worker state is also inevitable. Mm-hmm. And we will see it in our lifetimes. Right? We will. I hope so. And I, and I always think too, like, you know, even if it's not in my lifetime, even if I don't live to see it, like it's for the, the generations after me too. And yeah, um, we'll yeah. be fighting for it at least. Like we yeah. will have died fighting for it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, it's like a hard uh, reality to accept, but that, you know, that that's kind of what it is. And um, yeah, but that's not to say like our efforts right now aren't worth it. And like they, they super are. And it's like, you have to have that, that, that optimism that like eventually like things will get better and things, and we will win. Um, you know, even though it's, it's, it, it is probably going to get worse before it gets better. And I think it's getting worse now. <laughs> like, I think like, yeah. I agree. like it's worse now than ever. Um, we see fascism really, uh, taking form in, in very undeniable ways. Um, and so, yeah, like whenever I get scared, I just like try to remind myself like, yeah, like it has to, like it, like no change is ever easy ever in like on a personal level and on a, and on a macro level. So, um, yeah, we can expect to be scared. We can expect to be confused and we can expect to feel discouraged sometimes, but like we, um, yeah, we have to keep fighting um, because uh, our futures depend on it and the future of this world depends on it. Um, yeah, yeah, it'll be worth it someday. Yeah. Amen. Also, yeah. in 10 years, I hope that socialist literature gets taught in schools. Yeah, that'd be dope. It'd be great. Yeah, right. If at least, like, it just wasn't demonized as much as it is. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I remember we watched those shitty, like, home movies in fifth grade about the colonies. Oh, God. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, they stuck that propaganda so young. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I'm glad the the uh that they're starting to rethink things like sports teams names. Oh, I know, yeah. That, that should have been a fucking thing a century ago. Yeah, we've been talking about this for years. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think that we've made a great case for the revolution this year and uh, it is gonna keep growing. You know, we, even our our local chapter, for, since I've joined has gained a lot of traction in the community. Yeah. And I'm very, very excited about that and very proud of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm happy to have you on for the ride. Dude, same here, ditto, yeah. ditto. Um, well, Erica, thank you so much for hanging out with me and talking yeah. um, about socialism, about Marxism, about the revolution, about voting, about, you know, just such, such crucial things to understand right now. Like, we can't fuck this up. We, we right. really, like, and I, I mean that, you know, with the most love to everybody who's watched, like, in the five months I've been a PSL comrade, like, I have felt so fucking close to so many folks fighting for the same values as me mm -hmm. that I didn't even know too well before that. Like, I'm talking, gotta, I'm going to give a shout out to some of our comrades. You know, I'm talking about Christian and Daniel and Hayden and McKenna yes. and, uh, you know, um, and Tommy and uh, Kayla yes and uh, uh, Melina and yeah. uh, Juan and yeah. you know Seres and uh, you know if I apologize if I left every anyone out but love all our comrades all of our comrades and uh, um I'm just so fucking proud of all of them for not giving up and uh, really like fucking taking a stand right now. Like I got such chills from hearing Daniel's speech on yeah. Sunday. I was so, so fucking proud of him mm -hmm. to like see himself as a revolutionary that way, as well as Christian, you know, mm -hmm. speaking. And V. And yeah. And oh yeah. Can't forget about V. Big shout out to Rocky for, you know, speaking in front of people and, uh, sharing her really tragic experience of like being detained by the police briefly on last Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Like I feel very, 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 very proud of everyone that is out here fighting the good fight with us. And, uh, yeah. you know, I hope that eventually we get so big that we get so many members that yeah. like, it's going to be a while before we remember everyone's names. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. I hope we get to that point. I think, and I think we will. I think we are becoming, you know, more professional revolutionaries all the time. And yeah, like you said, like I, I am constantly so inspired by all, all of our comrades around us um, here and in other, other PSL branches as well, because like. Oh, and Sean. And Sean. Big oh, shout Sean. Yes. We love our comrades. Um, yeah. It's like, you know, I, it's amazing to see just like individuals like working to become better revolutionaries and working to, to step out of their comfort zone by standing in the face of the capitalist class like this. Like that takes a lot of courage and like, um, and we are all learning. Like we are all constantly learning as we go. No, you never have to like wait until you're like ready, quote unquote, to like, to like become a revolutionary. And like you, yeah, like, you have nothing to lose but your chains, truly. Like, it is that simple. And like, um, yeah. And so I hope, I hope people listening know that like this, 
this kind of work is is for anybody who is who is fed up with this shit and like who is um you know ready to really do something about it because it, it's yeah our future is in our hands it's in our generation for sure yeah yeah absolutely and also if there's one thing the PSL has also taught me is that can't rely on the other guy to you know do the work and yeah. to fight for that change like mm-hmm. you can't rely on anyone else to do it like if you're just sitting back and watching other people do it but right. you're not doing it then you know check yourself and think about like well what what am i doing to like help fight the revolution you know mm-hmm. what am i like even if it's not on the front lines there's plenty of other ways to help yes. you know the people fighting in the, in the behind the scenes are just yes. as important yes mm-hmm. like there's so many ways to get involved and uh, like if you can't do not expect do not be a spectator to the revolution actively be a part of it yeah yeah no i would agree with that yeah i think that um yeah, being being involved in this kind of political activity really like instills that sense of personal responsibility and duty. Um, and I think that's empowering, honestly, like it's it's a lot of work, but it's like, it's so fulfilling because like, yeah, we can't just wait around hoping that if we vote in the right person, like things are gonna magically get better for all these people. That's just not how it's gonna be. And so, yeah, I think it's empowering to to develop that sense of agency and that discipline. Yeah. Yeah. So, Erica, as we close out, tell me what keeps you up at night. Ooh, um, what keeps me up at night? God, I mean, like, I would say, like, like, yeah, just this, like, sense of urgency to work towards a better future is, is what keeps me up at night. I have dreams about, like, doing work, and I hate that. That's not a good <laughs> thing. Um, I take melatonin, and that helps me not, not do that. Um, but, like, yeah, like it's, um, yeah, I'd say just constantly feeling that, that urgency and that need to do better um, is, is, is what, what keeps me up at night and also keeps me motivated. Um, yeah, we have so much work to do and I, and I, there's so much I want to learn. There's so much I want to do every day. There's only 24 hours in the day. <laughs> oh yeah, there's almost 200 countries to learn about. For fucking real. They all have their unique issues and mm-hmm. yeah there's so much there's so much to learn about i've recently got really into reddit mm-hmm. um and there's so much you can learn from reddit like about mm-hmm. you know even if it's silly things like soothing gifs you know or cats needing their paws or yeah. you know shit like that but you can also learn real ass shit about like programming computers or mm-hmm. you know, this or that like yeah, yeah. A wealth yeah. of information. Yeah. Yeah. So, what? But uh, what puts you to sleep? Um, I would say, like, hmm, just knowing how supported I am. Um, I'm very fortunate to be supported by so many comrades and and people outside the PSL too who 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 believe in me. Um, and just knowing that, like, you know, I might have a shitty day or a hard day. Um, but like, like there's, there's always support around me that I can turn to, um, yeah, externally with my comrades and, and internally as well. Like I really feel, um, 
like a strong connection to like my my spirit guides and my ancestors too and um yeah just knowing that any little problem in like my day-to-day that seems to be really big I know that it is like I'm I am part of a larger whole and that there will always be um yeah support and love around me and that knowing that like my intentions are good like I I can trust that you know I'm where I'm supposed to be Hell yeah, that's that's dope. Good shit, Erica. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks, Ben. This is really fun. I appreciate you having me. Glad you had fun. It was really fun to have some alcohol, talk about all a lot of things. And I yeah. um yeah, and you know, I look forward to continuing to learning together and mm-hmm. keep fighting alongside each other. So and I'm really very I'm very, very grateful to have you as a mentor. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm very thankful that, um, yeah, you're my mentee and that I've gotten to become closer with you throughout this process. Um, Yeah, I think you are, it's very amazing to see you uh, develop as a comrade, even in the short span of time. And so, yeah, I'm confident that that we have a a lot to learn and a lot to work towards in the future. And yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you're interested in joining the PSL, what do you do? Well, if you're interested in joining the PSL, you can um, reach out directly to the PSL Milwaukee Facebook page. If you'd like, you can message us. Um, we will set up a conversation with you um, where we can talk a little bit further. Um, you can also apply online. Um, so in case anyone's listening who doesn't live in Milwaukee, um, you can apply. It's like pslweb.org slash join. I believe that's what it is. Yeah. Um, but if, yeah, if you're in Milwaukee, like it's quick to just reach out to us directly. Go. Hell yeah. And Although we may seem like we're angry all the time, which we are about. About uh, righteous Yeah. Yeah, about righteous things. Yeah. We are actually very, we're all very nice and loving people. <laughs> so, um. True. Marxists aren't bad. We're just pissed off and we're going to talk about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we're, we're very, we love the people. We're yeah. all about the people. We have a lot of, you know, we're very empathetic to the people but it's yeah. just damn capitalists capitalists that yeah make our lives hard that's what we're angry about and it's we hope true. we are too because you should be yeah <laughs> and like really like at the end of the day like socialism and communism like is about love it's about making sure that everyone is accounted for and everyone is safe and so yeah like we we welcome anyone who is uh striving to to spread love in that way Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy, everybody. Yay! We'll see you next time. All power to the people. All power to the people.